Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. We'll make you famous. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite podcast. This is your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chad Sowash. And today, we're talking a little diversity. Happy to welcome Rachel Orston, Chief Customer Officer at Smart Recruiters. Rachel, welcome to HR's Most Dangerous Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) So uh, I gave you a a very little title there in our our intro, but what should our listeners know about you, the person? Well, I've been a, in the customer success, chief customer officer space for a long time. And it's, man, it's hard work. You got to work to make customers get value out of out of the technology that they're investing in and, and help them achieve their goals. And it's something I love to do. And I'm proud that I get to do it at Smart Recruiters. And, and you have a few customers there at Smart Recruiters, don't you? Just, just a, a few. few just yeah. a few small, you know, insignificant, <laughs> unknown com- companies. Yes, yes. Just a few. Yeah. Very nice. And you're a Deadpool fan. Am I correct? I'm a big Deadpool fan. See? Absolutely. That's what I'm Absolutely. talking about. She's already won over my heart. It's a family film. I told you. It's a family film. <laughs> Coming next is an hour worth of Deadpool conversation with Chad right. Sowash. Just can't That's wait. Right. The only thing he loves more is diversity. Yeah. Diverse Deadpool. So first and foremost, I would like to thank you, Rachel, and the Smart Recruiters team for putting this report together. It is enlightening in good in quite horrible ways. Hell yeah! Um, now, I believe the title of the report is diversity hiring port, but I think it should have been a tad different. Are you ready? Uh, oh God. <laughs> diversity hiring port. 
the path to hell is paved with good intentions. I mean, seriously, because all I'm reading is the great work that you guys did to do nothing but expose what we've seen over the last couple of decades. It doesn't feel like anybody is budging. Are you seeing something different than I am, Rachel? Well, look, I think think you raise a good point. I mean, I think the whole point of the report was saying that uh, we're missing the basics. We're missing the fundamentals. um, And that, uh, you know, uh, many companies, even some of the bigger ones that took our study are missing a basic plan, right? Or, or a budget for a plan. But it does start start first with having this conversation, right? That's why I'm so glad you guys brought brought me on and 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 are you know helping us uh, you know drive this this conversation a bit louder. Because until we, I think, really aggregated these results in a more cohesive way, um, maybe you know our hope is to shine a bigger light on this, on the fact that you know there are a number of companies um, that are still at, in, at the beginning of this journey. Yeah, no question. Well, it, one of the things I want to point out right out of the gate was really there are five areas that we're going to talk about to, to some extent. First and foremost, you know, barely scratching the surface is, is one of the key points and key takeaways. And under that, it says many organizations are missing out on the basic opportunities to share their commitment to building a diverse an inclusive workforce with potential applicants. Uh, And then the next four points are working without a plan. Yes. Budgets haven't budged, neglecting opportunities for internal talent and bias keeps creeping in. So the commitment doesn't exist to job seekers. And, And over the years, they've seen this whole diversity kind of facade is a lie more than anything that's that substantial and something that they should actually take notice of. So I, the, the first thing is we start talking about representation. We start talking about plan. What, what's the most important piece that you would like to start with first? Well, I think I think the, the biggest piece is that there is that this doesn't have to be a huge lift, that there are measurable um, strategic actions that companies you know can take. There are best practices, right? And, and part right. of why we did this report was we also built a toolkit, right? So we could actually say, okay, here's where you are. And, and by the way, I'm happy to transparently share where Smart Recruiters is because, by the way, we took it ourselves and, and, it, and kind of you know drank our own champagne, so to speak, on the same thing, which is interesting in of itself. And um, so the whole point, to your point, is to, you know, let's drive a conversation. Let's be honest about where we are and where we're not, which you know to your point is not great. And then let's also see like what actions can we take. And so I want to be clear that the report was part one of a, a bigger um, you know initiative of ours, which is really to say, okay, now what can companies do? That, that's where the toolkit comes in, where we've got some very practical recommendations. For example, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, how can companies just better diversify their career pages? Let's just start with attract. Let's just start with how companies are trying to get candidates in, right? Are they making any efforts or initiatives to actually modify or, or target their career pages or their career uh, events towards, you know, towards diverse, you know, uh, candidates, right? So mm-hmm. there's some really interesting opportunities there on transparency, can they do more on scorecarding and how they're creating a transparent, more collaborative interview process, right? So there isn't like backdoor bias, right? So we kind of outline, I won't go through each one, I'm happy to, but the point is we really started to say, okay, here are some very practical things that companies can do to get started because this 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 doesn't have to be that difficult. There are steps that companies can take. Yeah. Chad, Chad has his own uh, title for this for this survey. Yes, let's hear it. I have mine as well. Uh, the big bummer, I think, was my <laughs> was my title for this. And 
What uh, so quickly on the methodology? You guys surveyed four hundred or so companies of various yeah. sizes and industries um, to do this, and the the, the survey um, went for how like what time span was this was this survey done? It was done over several months. I mean, the survey itself um, takes about, you know, there's about 100 so questions. It takes about uh, 15 to, to 20 minutes to complete. So, you know, we did keep it open for for a, a fairly sizable period of time so we can get, you know, as broad of a, of a you know, demographic of, of companies to, to take the survey. Um, we gotcha. were looking for, you know, folks across across the organizations of all. So we were really trying to get as bigger, big of a net across sizes and industries as we could, whether they were smart recruiter customers um, or not. Gotcha. Um, so I would say probably about four or five months. I don't know exactly, but it was a sizable amount of time. And then we had to aggregate the data and put the report together. So this year, roughly post-pandemic. So this is uh, post-COVID. One of, the, one of the big bummers of this for me, and Chad and I talked to a lot of people in, in diversity and, and D&I, and the, we talk a lot about that there are actually budgets now for companies to do these initiatives. And we talked to vendors who provide services to companies uh, to improve their diversity recruiting. But yet in your report, 62% said there was no diversity sourcing budget. Um, Does that surprise you? And what is the major hurdle to getting budgetary um, outlets to diversity recruiting? Well, it's a bit of the chicken and egg thing. Like I said, I don't know. It didn't surprise us necessarily. And I think it goes back to the main point that we made, which is people don't have a plan. How are you going to secure budget if you don't have a plan or if you don't have some really practical places? So, so why would somebody fund you if you don't have a plan or a place that you want to, you know, invest in, right? You don't have some, some very pragmatic approaches. And so again, that's why we kept going back to, okay, how can we empower companies to start thinking about having a plan? Where should, do we recommend they start so that they can can start to be more aggressive in going after those budget dollars. I believe the budget dollars can be there, but the companies have to be intentional and they have to start getting a plan together. Which leads me to my next big bummer was that 50%, according to your survey, have no plan. Um, How do we get people to that first step? That seems like such a Herculean effort at the moment. Well, I think it's about having these conversations, right? And and we've been having these not just through the report, but in you know in in, in roundtable discussions with our customer base. I think it's about talking about it openly and being transparent that we need help because I don't think plans are just going to be made up in a vacuum. I honestly believe that part of the things that we want, um, whether it's our customers or people outside of our outside of our immediate customer community, to do is just start talking about this and learning from one another. Start talking about what customers. What we do a lot is share what some of our customers are doing with what some of our customers aren't doing, right? And getting those people to talk to one another and learn from one another. Because that's honestly, I think, where the good ideas come from is is customers, or not just our customers, but companies need to start talking to one another, whether they're in their same industry or across. TA leaders need to start connecting on this topic and and learning from one another. And that's what we're hoping to do, obviously, by this report is is to get that conversation going. Because there are companies that are, you know, we could talk about the 60%, but then yeah. let's also talk about the 40%, right? So there are 40% that are, and we need those 40%, we need those 60% to start learning from those other ones and start hopefully getting some inspiration. I think one of the things we don't do well enough in talent acquisition HR in, at all is look at the business opportunity. So let's take a look at representation really quick. Only 18% of companies in the report had disability representation on the company website, career pages, blogs, social media, and other collateral, I know, which, means, I know, I know. which means they more than likely don't have 
disability represented in their company. So do you realize there are more than 1 billion, that's with a B, billion or 15% of the world's population who are individuals with disabilities? That's a fifth of the estimated global total. And let's talk business terms here. Let's talk about profits and lost profits, which is what the C-suite really cares about. Can you imagine the spending power of that humongous cohort? Take a look at Pepsi. Pepsi actually hired thousands of individuals with disabilities over the past few years. 22% of those individuals, around 22% of those individuals, were disabled veterans. This is an initiative where Pepsi partnered with external experts to build talent pipelines and which also achieve hiring outcomes and demonstrated much higher retention rates. Now, Pepsi can confidently go into the markets to this community, this huge community, and they can start talking about marketing and sales through the eyes of their employees. So, I mean, this is, from our standpoint, we're not taking a look at this problem like business people, are we? No, we're not. And I think it goes back to leadership, ultimately. I'm, I'm sure this is where you're going, but it is it is a leadership issue in, in how they view their business and 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 back to values in terms of 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 seeing seeing a one plus one equals three, right? I think mm-hmm. there are there are companies that that see it, you know, and see how it can absolutely benefit business. And then there are other companies that can't make that connection. And I think it does um, come down to to leadership and some leaders putting their uh, their their actions where their or their money and their actions where their mouth is. Um, and that's obviously what we need more of. I like that example, though. I had not heard of that. And I appreciate you sharing that one. Yeah. Well, I, and again, as we take a look at trying to make this more of a business case, as opposed to a charity case, that's what we've always dealt with. We've begged for cash as opposed to went to the C-suite with numbers and uh, the, the opportunity, right? The actual business opportunity. So we go back to budget and here's some, some, some information from the uh, report that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, question, does your company invest in job fairs? 55% yes, job fairs. Uh, does your company invest in community partnership? 61% no. How do they think they're actually going to get well-branded and receive uh, better penetration into more diverse markets if they're not focused on community partnerships or HBCU events, which 68% know they're not even investing in those. That blew my mind. Yeah. How do we expect to actually grow and move the needle if we're not doing what it actually takes to move that needle? Well, I think it's also goes back to talking to your own, you know, you're getting feedback and talking to your own diverse employee base, right? Mm-hmm. And, and including them in the process and getting that feedback and, and having, you know, because I think to your point, it goes back to representation. Is there even a, a voice inside the company that is, uh, is speaking and advocating for, for this? Because I think that that's also where we need to, to start and bring those diverse employees into the conversation and make them feel heard because I honestly think a lot of those a lot of those employees know the right partnerships they know the universities or they know the other places because they've been on the receiving line they've been that candidate they've been through the process they know you know and so yeah. I think that that it also starts with listen to your employees bring those folks into the process because they know especially in your industry or they know you know where those great partnerships could come from Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating 
manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text Kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> Well, and then last but not least, does your company invest in market mapping? So we actually talked to uh, Jackie Clayton, uh, mm -hmm. who is a DEI expert in this, this area. She had actually talked about companies who were making commitments that they just couldn't keep in specific areas because they, they wanted 30% of a diverse hiring initiative in a specific area that only had a very low percentage of diverse individuals because they don't have the data and they're not actually mapping toward the opportunity. What should companies do to be able to, to better set up because they're not planning, right? So, I mean, I don't know where they should actually start at this point because it sounds like they're not doing anything. Well, you mean where, where should they start just in the plans? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think it goes back to, it goes back to leadership. It goes back to setting, setting some, some goals and setting some accountabilities and starting to bring their diverse employees into the process and taking a hard look at what that representation is and start listening to the few, you know, the, the, the people that you have in, in that have already, that are committed to your company and mm -hmm. come from a, a diverse background and, and, and really give them a voice and a seat at the table to help shape the strategy. I think they obviously perhaps have a vested interest. I know that's what we're hearing from a lot of companies that we're working with is that they're spending more time talking internally and uh, and surfacing that, you know, what I call the voice of the employee, so to speak, in terms of how could they do a better job finding more of those employees. And they're also really focusing on internal mobility. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. But there's a whole other movement, which is to say, not only how do we get more diverse and, uh, and inclusive in our recruitment practices, but how do we really bring that into our internal mobility, right? How do we bring those people up into levels of leadership so that they can be in a power to have a voice and drive these initiatives forward. And that's honestly a lot of what we're also talking about with our customers as well, because if those people don't have a voice or if they're not even in positions of, of leadership or influence, then you've got a bigger problem. Let's talk about tech for a second. And in your fifth uh, key finding and uh, bias keeps creeping in, you asked the question of what uh, percentages do not let minorities or diverse employees do interviewing. 
Um, 61% in technology uh, don't let diverse employees interview candidates. In a, in a world where it seems like technology is trying to solve this problem, it seems counterintuitive that tech still has so, so much problem, such a problem with, with this issue. What's your take on tech and what, what blind spots maybe I'm not seeing that is making it so challenging for technology to embrace diverse recruiting? I think this whole issue isn't a technology issue. I mean, I, I applaud smart recruiters for trying to, you know, continue to move this conversation into a, a elevate the conversation to shine a light on the conversation. But we all know that technology is not going to solve this problem. I think technology can help in many areas. I think the ones that we're very focused on is, you know, things that we that I talked about, which is, you know, how do you how do you better create career sites and pages that are more targeted to diverse employees? I think hiring manager inclusion and collaboration, like the bias in the rec- let's just talk, let's just be frank. The hiring and interview process is not very open and it's not very transparent in many companies. And we're talking about, so let's just put that out there. So when we talk about Mm -hmm. technology, I think one of the most powerful opportunities, and it's certainly one that Smart Recruiters is very proud of as far as our capabilities, is we're very committed to our platform driving a very transparent and open recruitment interview process, right? When when you've got cards down, scorecarding, when you can, um, when you enforce policies where you cannot, you know, get a candidate until you put your feedback in there and it's open and transparent, right? You want to um, really deter this whole off the record actions mm-hmm. um, that, you know, where you see a lot of the, the bias come in. So for us, it's really about transparency in the hiring plat- uh, process and uh, hiring manager collaboration with their hiring teams. That, that to us, is a big is a big component of it. At least where we feel technology, um, like like a smart recruiters, can play a real impactful role. So technology isn't going to uh, solve the problems, which will disappoint a lot of the vendors that uh, have come on the show or, or know the know the show. <laughs> um, it also sounds like resources doesn't solve the problem either. One of the things that surprised me in your study uh, was that companies with ten thousand or more uh, employees. 70% of those had no budget for diversity recruiting, which was pretty much the same as any other size company. Um, what's going on with bigger companies that they're not embracing this, even though they have uh, so much more in the way of resources? You know, I, I, it's an interesting question to ask, you know, what is in the way? I, you know, I think that, um, I think it depends on the industry. I mean, I think it could be, you know, obviously with you know COVID and other priorities have taken shape. We've got the great resignation. There's other things that are happening depending on the industry. We're seeing it hit some industries more than others. I'm certainly not defending those positions, by the way, at all. You asked the fair question. Um, you know, it's, it's really a tough one to answer because you're right. Like the budget should be there, the part, you know, and it's like, what's, what's, what's pulling companies away? from from really doubling down and, and really sharpening their focus as opposed to to not when you know that they've got you know ample ample uh, budget there to, to put toward it um, again I go back to, to leadership um, you know because to, to me that's really where the buck stops so that's kind of my easy short answer to it but it may not fully answer the question but that's you know that's kind of I think clearer way to look at it I do think it's it's a leadership priority. Yes. Uh, let's jump back to internal mobility real quick. You touched on it, but uh, there was a question that says, does your company have an internal posting process that makes all job opportunities available to all employees? 82% said no. I know. I mean, current employees, the humans who create the widgets, provide the services, write the code and deliver products and services so the organization can thrive are the most neglected asset in the organization. 82% 
are whiffing on the very basics. Yeah. So I think there's a high, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably a longer conversation for another podcast, but I think that there is a real high correlation. I think that, that that was actually a huge takeaway when I read the report. I said, wow, there's there's this really interesting correlation between internal mobility investments and just recruitment overall. Like how are companies going to really you know get themselves out of this? You know, what's the um, expression, the treadmill, the, you know, if they can't, if they can't really stop and and really focus on internal mobility mm-hmm. um, as part of the problem too. And, and seeing right. internal mobility, connected to this to me was a really interesting takeaway that I hope other people, I'm glad that you guys um, are, are talking about it because I think it was a really interesting takeaway that maybe not everybody got from the report. You also talked about transparency. Yes. So I, I think, and, and and this is me in my own world and my own head coming up with solutions. So it might, might not sound like a big one to you, but I think the biggest thing that we need to do to move this ball forward for all organizations is to mandate transparency so that we know from a workforce composition standpoint where everybody is today and good, bad, or indifferent, at least we know where we're at and where we need to go. At this point, we don't know anything. And as we continue to spend money or put out press releases or whatever it is, we're not moving the needle. At least we're not moving it fast enough. That's right. Do you think transparency for work com- uh, workforce composition might be a key to something like this? I absolutely do. And, you know, and it, it brings it full circle to, you know, just, and again, for smart recruiters, one of the things we're also passionate about, it, and I'm sure you've had us talk about this before, is hiring success, right? And, and how are we redefining metrics for hiring success? And as you know, one of our big metrics is is hiring fit, right? And, and let's get transparent about what makes hiring fit, right? What's a good Good fit employee, right? And and how do we make sure that we're focused not just on hiring velocity, right? Um, which is you know important. Which is are we filling the roles when we needed them filled? Which is very different than just cost per hire, right? Right. But and so when you asked the question earlier about why aren't people? Well, everyone's trying to hire. We know everybody. It's top of mind for every CEO. Everyone's trying to fill roles right now. But the one thing that we're not transparent is okay. Great. We we know we need hiring velocity. We know we need to get the the right people in the right seats when we need them. But are we really having a transparent conversation on what does hiring fit mean? Did mm-hmm. we get the right individual in the role? And what is our focus as far as fit and where diversity fits in that? That to me is a transparent conversation because we could fill roles, right. um, but how do we do it in a very intentional way? Again, I think that goes back to some of our core hiring uh, success methodology and metrics that we talk very much about with our customers and where to start and, and, and putting a light on that from a from a measurement perspective. So hiring outcomes and then also retention and promotion, I would say, might yes. be the additions, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 One of the more interesting questions that you asked and the, the responses that you got were the question, are the following represented on your company website? Which frankly, to me, should be some of the mo- the easier slam dunks or layups in, in this branding uh, exercise. Yes. So I want to go through a few of these and, and get your get your sort of take on this. You asked about religion, which I don't think I particularly ever think about much, um, but, but you guys did. Uh, this was the highest number. Uh, that was not represented on the company website at 84%. Why was religion included in the survey? I don't think that's something that we usually think about. I think that we probably should. But what was the thought process internally of including religion? 
It's a very good question. I don't know um, exactly why religion was included in the survey per se. Mm -hmm. I think our goal was to see, was there a diverse approach to how companies, just for us to open the spectrum a bit to see Mm -hmm. where are, I don't think there was, I think it was really our attempt to say, how are people thinking about diversity? And let's not confine ourselves to, to just what we see right? Mm -hmm. What we see, which is one way of how people tend to think about diversity, but let's make this a bit more multidimensional, right? And, 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 and layer in some other questions that might um, allow us to get a better perspective on some things that people may be focused on that we're not, that we're not thinking about, right? So I think it was really our our attempt of trying to not just make diversity be what you see, but broaden it uh, in terms of religion and other, and other, um, other characteristics as well. Yeah. So two of the ones that you had that, that were, were pretty well represented, Presented, which is where I think most people think about this issue was race and gender, yes. which had a very, uh, very high um, number of, of representation. And then the, the other two that I thought were interesting were disability. Eighty-two uh, percent had no representation on their websites, and parental status uh, was seventy-eight uh, percent no. And I think that's where the the most growth will be. And you see things, I think we talked about the mom project yes. briefly um, in our, in our green room chat. So I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> is it your, is it your expectation that disability and, and parental status will be something that probably we see a lot more of in the coming months? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I definitely think so. And I think that's, that's on a, you know, that, that is something that I think companies are going to continue to, to focus on. And, and I think there's just going to be a lot more, um, uh, intentionality, um, in, in that. And I, I think you and I talked earlier and back in the green room that I do think it's a low hanging fruit opportunity. Why companies aren't just looking at their basic career sites and career pages and, and really, um, updating that, uh, to reflect the, the candidates they, that they're looking to attract is, is just to me such a low, you know, an easy opportunity opportunity for them to go after. And I think it'll depend on the industry. It'll depend on the product. It'll depend on the, on the company in terms of what those, what those targeted uh, audiences will be. And then my last question is, do you, do you feel like there's any fear of, I guess, diversity fatigue um, in terms of recruiting? In other words, what I mean, at what point do we, do we draw a line of what's diverse and what isn't? Uh, One of the things that I've heard discussed you know, at some point was, is obesity uh, diversity? Should you have people that are overweight in your representation? Do do we get to a point where it becomes too much? And if we do, what happens at that point? Yeah, you know, it's a it's an interesting question. I, I feel like we're a ways away from fatigue at this point. I mean, I think that's a great question to revisit. I think again, the report and everything we're we're trying to we're trying to move is just get get companies moving. Uh, let's let's get to fatigue. Let's cross the fatigue bridge when we get to it. But I think we've we've hopefully uh, in this conversation established that a lot of companies are are not there are not nearly at the fatigue level yet so gotcha. we just we just want to get them in the conversation when we get to fatigue we've won is that yes. what you're saying okay <laughs> let's yeah 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 i think we, i think we've got a ways away before we i don't even i don't even think we're out of breath yet i don't think we're out of breath we're definitely not at fatigue Yes. Well, I tell you what, I'm definitely not at fatigue after seeing these damn numbers, for goodness sakes. I appreciate you, Rachel. This is Rachel Orston, Chief Customer Officer over at Smart Recruiters. Rachel, if people want to check out the Diversity Hiring Report, where should they go and what other kind of toolkits or, or whatnot could they could they find uh, uh, with Smart Recruiters? 
Absolutely. I'll make it easy. Just go to smartrecruiters.com and, and you'll see the the a link to the toolkit. It's pretty prominent uh, where we're promoting it. And we, we encourage people to download and read it and and uh, and and explore the toolkit as well. And we also have a a, uh, a hiring success business assessment. And, and, and by the way, you could still take the diversity assessment as well. So um, you'll find all of that um, access on our website, both the diversity inclusion assessment as well as our hiring success business assessment. Those are free assessments um, and they can be taken online. Um, at smartrecruiters.com. So thank you. And thank you guys for digging into this report. These were great questions and uh, appreciate you bringing me on. You're welcome. Love having you. Thanks so much. Keep, keep, keep at this because we need to know the real truth, not just the fluff that we hear in press releases and the TV commercials and all that other fun stuff. So thank you and thank the the crew over at uh, Smart Recruiters for us. Thanks, Rachel. Chad, another one in the books. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho, pepper jack, Swiss. So many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chadcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.